0: hello all you people out there welcome back to the garden state of hockey podcast we're happy to be back with you as we have some general league news to discuss and a little bit of devil's news and some devil's perspectives to offer because uh that's what we do here my name is dan rosell and i'm joined by john fisher how are you doing john
1: i'm doing well how are you doing today dan i'm
0: doing well and i'm excited because for the first time in my life and most other people's the stanley cup final is currently being played in september and the final itself features an unlikely matchup, and I'll say unlikely just because of one side of it, between Dallas and Tampa Bay. And I would say that no one really expected Dallas to be here. There are some analysts that picked them, but the way they started the bubble, it looked disastrous potentially. They looked to be um, one of the teams in participating in the round robin that could not get it together after the pause but some something flipped dallas became a finalist and not only that they took game one from tampa bay in a relatively convincing fashion even though tampa bay outchanced them Uh, dallas seemed pretty stable the whole way and that's in most part because of likely con Smythe winner if dallas wins anton hudobin
1: oh absolutely he made 22 saves in the third period and true to the point of you know what they say about a lot of uh Championship runs in pro sports, you need guys that you've never heard of to step up, or guys who don't get a lot of uh, public, you know, a lot of pub to uh, make big contributions. In game one, your goal scorers for Dallas were Joel Hanley, who scored his first ever NHL goal of any type, uh-huh. <laughs> as the 29-year-old AHLer um, was called up and he scored the very first goal of the Stanley Cup Finals.
0: Defenseman too. Uh,
1: Yep, Jamie. Speaking of defenseman, uh, noted non-sniper Jamie Alexiak put in a rebound <laughs> uh, to make it two-one. Uh, hero of Game Seven against um, not not the uh, of their second-round series. Uh, Joel Kideranta, yeah, yeah, against Colorado. Thank you. Uh, scored in the last minute of the second period, and then Jason Dickinson scored his first goal <laughs> of the NHL playoffs near the end of the third period to seal the deal. Dallas has the early edge of the playoffs. Nobody would have expected it. Similar to professional wrestling, anything can happen in the bubble.
0: And Kiviranta, actually, I think it was um, Dmitry Filipovic who tweeted – that Kiviranta's goal in the Stanley Cup playoff, in the Stanley Cup final in Game One, was probably the least goal, least clutch goal he scored in the entire playoffs, given his hat trick in the clincher game against Colorado, and also a goal that he threw in uh, a, a, the winning goal against Vegas. Um, in that series as well so
1: that's right (laughs) you you did score the winning goal against Vegas so
0: Kiviranta is having the best playoffs he could have ever imagined for himself and the best playoffs that Dallas could have imagined and this is a guy that started as an injury replacement for Andrew Cogliano so you never know where it'll come from in terms of Hudobin and Kiviranta but Dallas takes the one nothing lead but uh, you know their opponent Tampa Bay has been here before they've been to a place where you know they they drop game one and all of a sudden it's oh can they get it together and Tampa's shown a much better ability to bounce back this year than they had in the last uh, couple of years when they were the prohibitive favorite going into the playoffs but they also um, you know ran into some struggles ran into some unexpected matchups for them and it'll be interesting to see how John Cooper helps his team bounce back uh, against a very tight Dallas team with a goalie that nobody can solve.
1: Well, uh, fortunately for Or I should say, unfortunately for Dallas, as you said, Tampa Bay absolutely has the weaponry. They have the talent. They have the assets and they have the experience. And if Mr. Stamco starts making a return anytime soon, good luck, Dallas. You better be hoping that your potential UFA goaltender. Well, he will be a UFA goaltender. Anton Kadobin, continues to play on fire because the moment he doesn't play on fire, it could get bad. Yeah, it could get really bad.
0: Yeah. And there's. I mean, it was unexpected for him to be playing at this level in general because he spent a lot of years as a backup, not only in, you know, his previous destinations of, what was it, Carolina and Boston, at least, um, mm-hmm. and in Dallas, even, he started this year as the backup behind Ben Bishop, and he just took the reins during the playoff run. You know, Bishop yeah, wasn't... Bishop's been hurt. Yeah, Bishop's been hurt, and he wasn't sharp when he did return, so Hudobin got trusted to carry them all the way there. And now we have our uh, first time in a long time matchup of Russian goalies in the Stanley cup final as well.
1: That's right. And um, well, Tampa Bay shouldn't be so worried about Vasilevsky again. The main, the main game for Tampa Bay is can you beat the hot goalie, Mm -hmm. And if they do, and I think they do, they can. I think if any team in the league can do it, it's probably the Tampa Bay lightning, but again, anything can happen in the bubble. So We'll see if it continues as we go on in this incredibly truncated Stanley Cup playoff situation where we're going to end the finals before October begins.
0: Yeah, and worth noting again that throughout this entire time in the bubble, there have been zero positive tests for coronavirus. So they've really pulled off this tournament with – it's worth admiring how they managed to pull this thing together and make sure that they could even play out the rest of the season. Now the question is going to come when next season begins and what that'll look like as Gary Bettman had a press conference um, earlier this week, which was, There there are some parts of it that I think fans were expecting and some parts that were disappointing to fans, but he still does or hope to play an 82-game season in Mm -hmm. 2020-2021. He mentioned that Seattle's uh, admission to the league in terms of starting to play will not be delayed for any reason. They will start play in the NHL in the 2021-2022 season. And also that initially, while games might start with no fans, they're hoping that, you know, pending the global situation, they're hoping that fans will be able to come back first with limited capacity and then in full.
1: Yes. And um that's that's obviously the big concern here because what you know, say what you want about the owners of the league. Most of the owners in the NHL are billionaires. They're not gonna not be billionaires anytime soon. Mm-hmm. But the harsh reality is is that you want your organization to at least pay somewhat for themselves. Right. And the NHL is a gate driven league. And just like the NHL, you know, if the NHL is going to be making ways to make it work, then that will impact how minor hockey lo- does it. How uh college junior hockey, like a lot of stuff rolls downhill based on whatever the NHL decides to do. And if they decide to go without fans, similar to what the NFL is doing, um, in most of their places and, um, or if they try to bubble up again, which is going to be even more cost to the NHL, right. since you got to pay the hotels, you got to pay the rings, you got to pay the staff. It's um, it, it's going to be a big challenge. And of course, a lot of the stuff is out of the hands of the NHL. If the state of New Jersey, for example, says no, we're not going to allow any gatherings mm-hmm. over X number of people, and X number of people is less than the number of people you need to have a hockey game, then guess what? You can't play games at the Rock. Right. You know, I mean, it's not even an option. It's just, you're just not going to be able to do it. So it's a massive challenge. I I have to give a lot of credit to the league and, and the players association for figuring out the return to play format as, you know, unideal as it was in some cases, You know, you could argue it wasn't the most fair situation in in some regards. You know, how comes, you know, 24 teams get in? How come Montreal and our hated rivals got in? Mm -hmm. How did Chicago get in? But the reality is that they pulled this off in two months. Yeah. (laughs) A full playoffs that was not watered down outside of maybe Washington and maybe, I don't know, maybe a couple other players. Like everybody took it seriously. It's been competitive. It had all the snarl and beef and grit and nastiness that you want in playoff hockey. It has all the uh, glories and the highlights and the you know dazzling arrays of booyah and woo yeah of your uh, moves. It's uh it's got everything together and as you said without anybody getting infected. So clearly the NHL has made it happen. But you know an 82 game season with a full playoffs whew, that's gonna be tough. That's gonna be really tough. And I know they're looking at December 1st, but that might be pushed back. And of course if you push it back, um. Uh, you know, it becomes less and less likely that you're going to play 82 games or have a full playoff.
0: Yeah, and I always thought it would be like a poetic start to the season. I mean, this is completely like my personal uh, subjective opinion, but to start the season with that winter classic would be a really cool way to uh, Mm -hmm. usher it in, especially since it's one between a couple of teams that don't get much national TV love. So I thought that would be an interesting way to, at the very least, signify the start of the new season. I mean, there's so much weirdness about the bubble that we did get two teams that a lot of people expected to be in the Stanley Cup final before the season started, but we got the first Southern matchup in the Stanley Cup finals ever, and it's played entirely in Edmonton. So that's just one of the weird factors that, uh, you know, goes into this season and what they did to return to play. But. Again, you're right. They did a great job maintaining the environments and the challenge grows when you have to create 31 different bubbles as opposed to just the two on each one on each coast. Um, The NFL is experiencing something similar where they did create 32 bubble environments based around the stadiums of each team. And so far through week one, no players or coaches have tested positive uh, for coronavirus. So, We'll see. I mean, apparently it is possible to maintain that kind of environment. Baseball with some early hiccups has seemed to stabilize for the most part too. So whatever systems are working, it it does depend on everyone in the organizations buying in, And that's something that uh, it'll be interesting to see how everyone does that after several teams have been off for a very long time. And, you know, most teams exited the bubble earlier than a lot of these others.
1: Oh, absolutely. And, um, I think you raise a very good point is buy in. That everybody needs to buy in. It's not just, you know, the uh, owner and the GM and the top player on each team. It's got to be every player in the lineup. Like, nobody can sneak out of the bubble to bring back in, like, food or, you know, a, a person of interest. Uh, <laughs> a you can't,
0: person interest.
1: <laughs> a person of interest, you know, like, I, I don't want to make any suppositions, like a you future. know. I, I... <laughs> Okay, I wasn't going to go <laughs> that direction, but sure. Yeah, that's what person um, of
0: interest means.
1: <laughs> okay, fine. A person that the person leaving the bubble would be interested ah, in. How about okay, that?
0: that's a little different.
1: <laughs> that's a little different. But the point is, is that, and, and not even just the players, but even the staff members, you know, the equipment, the equipment people, the coaches, the training staff, like whoever is a member of the organization, like everybody needs to be committed to make this work. Because when you have one person who makes a mistake, whether it's, even if it's a well-intentioned mistake or there's a reason, a rationale behind it, maybe it's a family member, maybe it's, um, you know, whatever reason you can concoct in your imaginations. Um, you know, that's when you start adding risk and that knee, that just can't happen. Mm -hmm. So doing so for this type of series is one thing for a two month period, effectively, or two and a half month, if you include the time to get into the bubble. But, um, Doing it for an eighty two game season, um that might be too too much to ask, especially of the players being kept away from their families, like two months is one thing, six months that's hard,
0: yeah, and I mean already you know people are saying that two months is in itself very difficult, and it's it's something that it can't be understated that this cup might be one of the hardest ones to win, given the situation of the world that's there should be nothing taken away from whichever team manages to win this oh, no. one since they've been mentally challenged like no other team before they don't get to go home and see their families after a tough loss. They, they have to stay bubbled up. They have to make sure everything continues to be consistent so that their team doesn't get, you know, screwed over because they made a mistake.
1: And on top of that, they don't get nearly as much rest as they normally would in a playoff series. Cause again, everything has been back to back to back to back to back, not literally back to back, but um, you know, you know, the final game of the Eastern conference finals, was what Thursday mm-hmm. and the first game of the Stanley cup finals is Saturday. Like that just does not happen right. in real life. Like you would have at least three or four days, you know, you, you get some time to pump it up, uh, get the guys, you know, some rest some ice. Um, you know, prepare, you know, media stuff like there's there's time to wait, but not in this bubble. Like the first round ends. We're going right to the second round. Second round ends. We're going right to the third round. Third round ends. We're right in the finals. Like like I said, we're going to end this Stanley Cup finals before October 1st.
0: And, and we how started often,
1: everything on
0: August 1st. How often do you see, uh, by the way, a back to back in a Stanley Cup final? You never do. And this might there's happen rare. between games four and five this year.
1: Yeah, and that's mostly because NBC is uh, airing this Stanley Cup Final, and you know that NBC is not going to give up Sunday Night Football for the Stanley Cup Final, right. like <laughs> never. Like even in a normal, non-pandemic world, that would not happen. No,
0: like. you're right. You're right. And that's yeah, that's the reality of the situation in hockey in North America in general, and its position, you know, on TV programming and. There's probably some news about TV deals, too, that are of concern here in terms of playing all 82 games next season. If you start, you know, the later you start, the more likely you are to go into the uh, Tokyo Olympics, which NBC famously has a deal to broadcast. So Mm -hmm. how far can you go? If Bettman says he doesn't want to play into the summer, he kind of doesn't really have another choice. He has to make sure that everything gets done before the Olympics Uh, start airing if they want any sort of TV coverage from their main partner. Now they could always rework any sort of deal, but that takes a lot more negotiation and process, which I don't know that, you know, people want to do right now in the time of coronavirus, but that's not a discussion for me to deal with really.
1: No, it isn't. And you raise a and you raise a very valid point is that you know if you push back things because you want fans to be in arenas or you're not gonna get the okay to play in an empty arena. Then you might have to start discussing truncating one of the two things. The good news, well, the, you know, my personal preference is if you got to truncate something, you could truncate the regular season, because mm-hmm. I think, you know, I think hockey fans in general think the playoff format as it is is fine. You know, sixteen teams out of thirty-one make it. Uh, it's best of seven series, all four rounds. You know, anybody who wins that tourney earns it. Right. So. You don't want to water it down with adding more teams again. So, you know, you may have to start discussing instead of 82 games, you go to 48 like you've done in the past with lockout seasons, or maybe you go halfway and do like 66 games. Like there's I don't envy Gary Bettman or um, or the Players Association in this case, because there's going to be a lot of talking and a lot of back and forth and a lot of ideas and a lot of late nights and bad food to eat as you negotiate, yeah. <laughs> uh, figuring out what you can and cannot do with 31 teams.
0: <laughs> yeah, but again, the NHL, you know, and PA had a plan. They executed it. They didn't fire festival. It, you know, all the food was mm-hmm. there. All the accommodations were there. Um, they set up places for the players to, you know, be able to relax in some way despite the stresses of the bubble so we'll see how they manage to navigate this situation and in terms of uh the fans coming back i can see a situation where like in football it varies by state depending on uh, the progression of coronavirus in that state like you said if new jersey decides they can't have gatherings over so many people then it's not going to have gatherings of that many people and potentially you know if they can't use the facilities even luckily the devils are in an area where there's plenty of hockey rinks around but it's obviously not ideal
1: right so you know what isn't ideal Dan?
0: um the fact that we have to break for a quick commercial
1: well that's not ideal that's doing business
0: that's right with you but it's certainly not (laughs) ideal so we'll be back on the other side of this commercial uh to talk about what really isn't ideal Mm mm-hmm All right, so, John, tell me, what's not ideal? Trade rumors. Trade rumors. involving players. Yay, our on players. On the New Jersey Devils. Yeah. Yes,
1: that's right. There are some Devils-related things on this podcast about the New Jersey Devils. That's weird. Uh, so, <laughs> so, as we've discussed last week, um, the, the salary cap's going to be flat, and a lot of teams are looking to shed salary, even if they're big market teams like Philadelphia or St. Louis, who already has started with the cap uh, uh, removal, not just because— of concerns about future revenue, concerns about uh, what you're, you, you are or are not going to have in a 2020-21 season, but just over the fact that you need cap space to re-sign your players. Mm-hmm. And um, so rumors have already started, and two devils have come up over the past couple days uh, from the what I'm just going to call hockey and media people in the world of, uh, of the internet. Mm-hmm. Number one comes from our friend uh, Pierre LeBron and the staff at The Athletic. They have a a trade board that they're constantly updating because there's increasing rumors and and things that are changing. The big one recently is Alex Pietrangelo of St. Louis, uh, supposedly being told by St. Louis management, look, if you want over $9 million average average accrued value, then you can go hit the market. Um, So it looks like he's going to be available um, if you're willing to spend the money. But number six on their trade board is the pride of Montvale, New Jersey, Kyle Palmieri. Yep. And uh, this is a curious one because apparently there – no one knows if there have been talks of an extension or if there have been talks that have been very preliminary. But as we are – as we don't know what the future season is going to look like, apparently those talks have been shelved, And that has only increased the possibility that um, Mr. Palmieri may be um, dealt in the near future since he is an expiring contract going into 2021-2022. The NHL draft is going to be days before free agency begins. So, you know, that's a popular time for players to get moved. Um, And Palmieri, you know, he has, even though he's got a modified no trade clause per cap friendly, which allows him to submit an 18 no trade list. What that means is that you've got, well, you've got 23 teams that you can be traded to. Mm -hmm. And he makes less than $5 million, which makes his, uh, this is all pointing to the fact that he's rather affordable. So, Dan. How do you feel about the possibility of Paul Palmieri getting traded?
0: It's something that we even prepare ourselves for at the last deadline, honestly. It's, it's something that I could see happening. I think the situation has dramatically changed for the Devils in terms of where they were talking about him last time, where their entire staff has been changed over. And, um, mm-hmm. you know, he would represent a perfect veteran transition point leadership voice in the locker room now that Andy Green is gone. Um, and who knows what his future plans entail since he's just been eliminated from the playoffs. But it's something that, again, I've already prepared myself for this possibility since the Devils had to basically do a fire sale at the last deadline and Palmieri could fetch some good value and he still can't, or he could have fetched some good value then, but they didn't really have the need that they do now as he only has one season left on his contract. I can see him getting moved. I can see him staying, but if he does get moved, they better get more than what they got for Blake Coleman.
1: Yeah, absolutely, and that's really the tricky part here is the fact that, you know, if Palmieri goes, then the Devils need – goes from they need wingers to, no, seriously, they badly need wingers because after Palmieri at right wing, you've got Jesper Bratt, who I like, but he's not a top-line first, you know, line right winger unless, you know, he gets hot with Nico Heischer again. Mm-hmm. And your other options on the roster would be Joey Anderson uh, <laughs> and – If you move Michael McLeod to the right side, or uh, you you convince Gusev to play on his natural hand, or you go to the minors and say, "Hey, Boekvist," or "Hey Zetterlund," or "Hey Bastion," you want (laughs) to, you want to, or or Nolan, Nolan Foot's a left winger.
0: Mm -hmm. Okay,
1: but but you know, hey, the point is, do you just leave it open for you know the prospects to take over and just kind of lump it for a season? That's the thing. I have no idea whether or not this season is intended to be. Um, you know, a, another lost season where you're just going to get another top 10 draft pick and you hope some, some of the younger players out of the system develop and be players for the future? Or do you want to try to at least play some meaningful games in March and try to be at least a little more competitive to show that you're just not, to show the fans that you shouldn't be wasting your money on another bad hockey team?
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. It, <laughs> I don't know. It's hard to say because I think a lot of it, you know, a lot of last season's plans, while they may have been in the back of someone's mind to trade Palmieri before his contract expired, the need became much more urgent when the Devils ended up being bad. Now, you don't know what they're going to look like this year. The chances are that they're not going to improve to the point where they don't need to trade anyone. They actually need to buy at the deadline, but you never know. There's a whole new staff, in. there's something that could just click. Blackwood could completely take over in the net, and that makes all the difference, as we've seen, um, between a winning team and a losing team, especially in the bubble. So, I think that with Paul Mary, it's something that unless whoever you pay in free agency to fill that role is probably going to be less valuable from a chemistry perspective than Paul Mary is right now. So I'd like to see them Mm. negotiate something with him and maybe make him the captain. Even he, he makes sense as someone who would fill that role.
1: Right. And again, you know, going back to what was reported at the athletic, the big concern is really more about the fact that we don't know what next season is going to look like. So There is there is some sense to say, hey, let's not negotiate an extension until we have at least a clue as far as what next season is going to look like and whether or not we expect the cap to stay flat for longer than next season, because we know it's going to be eighty one point five million next season for sure. Mm -hmm. And if you're not going to have fans for next season, you can almost guarantee it's going to be eighty one point five (laughs) again, you know, and that just puts teams in in, in binds where they have to, you know, be more judicious with their money and Palmieri. If he gets an extension or even if he gets traded, his next contract, it's not going to be for peanuts. He's going to get paid a good amount of money to play hockey. Right. So, you know, this is one of those things where maybe this is just more of a case of I don't see an extension. So some people think he could be traded, but it could be just he's not getting an extension yet because it doesn't make a lot of sense to make an extension right now. Well, he runs into
0: the problem that Pietrangelo kind of runs into in terms of age, right? Palmieri is, what, 29 right now?
1: That's right. He's right on. The, he's right near the dreaded 30s.
0: Yeah, and Pietrangelo is asking for nine million, and even on a short term for a 30 year old, nine million for a season is a steep price to pay when the salary cap mm-hmm. does not change. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, that's why I, you know, if anyone thought the Devils were going to be linked to Pietrangelo, I don't think there's a chance that happens. But, um, they do have the well... money for it
1: well they could they could make some more money available let's go talk about the second rumor and this mm-hmm. is one that came completely out of left field yes it comes well it comes so left it comes from all the way from vancouver british columbia canada mm-hmm. uh, your boy ray ferraro the man that john butchergrass calls chicken parm and nobody else calls chicken parm <laughs> uh, was on tsn radio vancouver tsn 1040 and you know they're talking hockey cuz as you do in vancouver like you're not going to talk about the white caps You know, they're terrible. Don't talk about (laughs) soccer in Vancouver. The point is, is that they're talking and somebody brought up the possibility of Damon Severson. And Ferraro was quoted as saying, oh, yeah, I think Damon Severson has maybe soured in New Jersey. He can skate. He's got a howitzer for a shot, right shot. Yeah, if he's available in a ballpark, you can make work. He's the guy that you can make work. And he notes that. He would come at a cost that's much more affordable than Matt Dumba, who is on the trade block supposedly because Bill Guerin is making trades to make trades, Dan, and yeah. Matt Dumba at $6 million a year is somebody that he may want to trade. Um, so this is more speculation than anything else from Ray Ferraro. I mean he literally did say if New Jersey is willing to move him, that's a chance worth taking. Mm-hmm. So it's possible that New Jersey isn't going to make him available, but it is worth noting that Severson is 26. His cap hit is the longest non-heisher cap hit on the books, mm-hmm. at uh, 4.16 uh, for the next three seasons. Um, I think Simon Stevenson is a very good player. I think you know his, his metrics have always shown that. Yeah, he's prone to making some bad errors at times. Yeah, I understand he's six foot two and two hundred something pounds and isn't a physical uh, bad boy on the ice. You know, yeah. he just takes a lot of stick penalties um but i think he's a fair i think he's a quality defenseman in the vein of you know the jake Gardners of the world guys that you know your defense could use to you know really solidify things but in the same vein of Palmieri, if you don't expect this team to be good for a while and excuse me you get an offer to say hey severson can net you a first or can net you a good young player from vancouver <clears throat> brock besser <clears throat> <laughs> uh that's, that's, a, that's a deal you may want to consider taking since the Devils do have right-sided defensemen. You know, Subban is likely going to continue to play over Severson as he should since he makes almost double the mon- – more than double the money Severson makes. Yeah. Uh, so, you know, that is – that's a possibility. I, I did not expect Severson's name to come out. But, you know, if Vancouver really wants a right-sided defenseman and they're really, willing really interested in Damon Severson, if Fitzgerald is smart and shrewd, he can command quite a bit in return from Vancouver, who doesn't have a lot of space to play with.
0: And then you sit Ty Smith down and say, listen, we're seriously considering this, but you ready to go? Like, this, this is your yeah, show Yeah, exactly.
1: <laughs> exactly. There has to be an understanding that somebody's going to fill in the gap uh, unless they do decide to spend all their money on Alex Pietrangelo, mm-hmm. which, you know, wouldn't be the worst idea in the world, but, you know, it wouldn't be my idea. But yeah, you need to have an understanding from Smith or even Kevin Ball to say, look... The expectation is that you're gonna play, so you need to be ready to play like now.
0: I'm wondering where this notion that the Devils have soured on Severson came from, because I don't. Yeah. I I don't really know that that's the case. I think it was pretty much acknowledged that Severson was their most effective defenseman last season, and I I don't think anyone in the organization has said anything to the contrary. So I'm wondering where Ray Ferraro got this. Um, got this notion that Severson would be on the move. Maybe he just looked around and found a young defenseman that would be a cheaper price option than Dumba, but I I, I don't really know. There is nothing specific that I can think of that seems to indicate that Severson, um, you know, the devil's brass had soured on Severson at all.
1: Absolutely, and I agree. I, I don't... Unless Ferraro is hearing something else, like, again, we don't know who these guys are talking to. We don't know if he's hearing anything from Severson's agent or Severson himself, or maybe he's got a source inside of New Jersey where it's like, well, under Sharrow they liked him, but maybe now that Fitzgerald is, is, is now the boss, which is – even then, that – I'm saying it out loud and I'm sorry for correcting myself in the middle of my own thought, but you know, he was the assistant GM under Shero. So it's like, unless this guy had a problem with Severson and he was just kind of keeping it under wraps. um, Yeah. I don't, I don't know where the souring comes from unless Ray has some inside info that we're just not privy to, or he's again, just speculating on Vancouver radio because he's trying to drum up interest for the radio show for the team that, is obviously not playing hockey right now and apparently needs to have every type of rumor surround themselves in Western Canada since, you know, he's not in Toronto.
0: Mm-hmm. Exactly. And uh, I don't know. It's that time where only two teams are active and every other team can potentially be part of trade rumors, especially since trades were unlocked for any team, not in the bubble. Uh, any yep. And we've already
1: seen a couple trades. Yeah. We've, we've seen already seven. seen a,
0: uh, yeah, exactly. The so, stall you know. for Johansson, by the way, let's mention that as a, uh, Former oh. former devil Marcus Johansson gets traded one for one for Eric Stalin. Again, you mentioned Bill Guerin just making trades. This is the first time I've maybe heard a GM admit that he made a trade for the sake of making a trade.
1: Well, there's value in honesty, Dan.
0: <laughs>
1: uh, I guess so. I don't know if it's I don't know if it's smart. Yeah. I don't think it makes Minnesota any better. Because <laughs> Johansson's one of those players that, yeah, he's pretty good when he's healthy, but the problem is when he's healthy. And yes it's not his fault that Brad Marchand cheap shot at him with an elbow to the head. It's not his fault. You know, the injuries aren't necessarily Johansson's fault, but you know, rule number one of lots of things is that, you know, you got to be able to play Mm -hmm. (laughs) and he, for, for X and Y reason has, that has always been a challenge with Johansson. And the more confusing thing is that Eric Stahl has been really good in Minnesota. Yeah. I, I don't know why Minnesota felt the need to move him again. It's one of those, deals to make a deal and I guess this is why now all this you know Dumba is on the block and I'm sure you know if you dig deeper into Minnesota I'm sure some other players might be available that otherwise wouldn't have normally been available but now Bill Garrett is in charge and dang it it's his team and he wants to make it in his image
0: yeah and also you know they they trade away one of their better centers as another one retires like that's or right. not retires, but they said they wouldn't be re-signing Koivu because, again, long injury history with him, too. And he's been you know, old, brutalized with old. injuries, especially recently. Uh, exactly. They're not re-signing him. So what are they going to do? Are they going to put Johansson at center? Because I think that's not the best idea for a team that has any sort of competitive aspirations while Zach Parisi and Ryan Suter are on their massive mega deals that don't expire until, I don't know. 10 years from now it's not 10 years from now it's maybe more like let's see they signed in 2012 so five years from now but that's still a ridiculously long time
1: yeah and and the thing i don't understand is that it's not like you know they have a ton of players that they need to re-sign to make the cap like unless they're unless they've been told by ownership that they're they have an internal limit of like 70 million dollars or something like that they're currently at Mm 69.5 But, you know, they've got enough, more than enough space to re-sign Jordan Greenway, Nico Sturm, Luke Kunin. And, you know, if they're letting Galchenyuk and Koivu walk, you know, they'll have room to call up some players or, you know, go out and sign some free agents. And maybe that's maybe that's Garin's plan all along. Like he wants to go out in free agency and make a big splash. But, yeah, they, they got Spurge until 26-27 on the books. They got Suter until 2025. They got Jodas Brodeen, who they just re-signed to a massive extension that ends in 2027. Parise ends in 2025. Matt Zuccarello ends in 2024. But even with all that, they still have, on the 81.5 cap, they still have over close to $12 million in cap space. Like, I, I, I don't get it. I literally don't get it, Dan.
0: I don't know. It's so it's so strange, and it's so... It was a very out-of-the-blue deal, and I think that the Sabres were on Stahl's no-trade list, but only because he didn't expect them to actually want to trade for him, which is... He, he didn't put it there. Yeah, so he didn't put it there. So I don't... I don't know. It's a weird situation, but again, it opens up the possibility that these trades could happen as soon... Like, at any point, really, and... It, as we get closer to the draft, I'm assuming that more will happen as teams oh, yeah. uh, solidify their draft position and try to figure out, you know, who they're going to be picking. And all these teams that have extra first-round picks, they're going to be the bells of the ball here.
1: And one of those teams is the New Jersey Devils. Yay! They're going to be a very, very popular team to talk to on October 6th. Mm-hmm. I mean, three first-round picks and a new GM. Uh, yeah, he, you know, Fitzgerald's phone is going to be blowing up. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, hope, I hope the Devils uh, contract with either Verizon or T-Mobile or Sprint or um, Cricket Wireless. <laughs> you know, they've got all the minutes and the data they need because they're going to be spending it. Uh, that week that week of October 5th through 9th uh, is going to be an incredible week for Hockey News. Like you're gonna wake up if you're in like a coma and you wake up on October 11th, you're gonna be like, what happened to the NHL? Why are all these players elsewhere? Yeah, because <laughs> uh, it's all gonna go down that week. You literally have free agency starting two days after the draft ends, right. and the draft is always a popular place for big trades, as as the aforementioned Palmieri trade, whom the Devils did acquire in 2015. You know, if somebody comes to the Devils said, hey, we want to get, we want you to take this big player off our hands. We just want 20th overall. You know, who knows? Maybe that does happen. I don't think it should happen, but anything can happen in the NHL, Dan.
0: Yeah, and those names are the only ones we've kind of heard thrown around in rumors so far. Um, Mm -hmm. You know, potentially there's a sniff of a Will Butcher rumor here or there, but there's not much substantial about – Uh, any of these really so far as people focus on the Stanley Cup final. And again, I'm sure when that ends as well, there'll be more action on the trade rumor front, but uh, it remains to be seen where big free agents like Pietrangelo will go big free agents. Like, I don't know, one Taylor Hall might end up going. Um, (laughs) Well, he's not going to Arizona. (laughs) Right. And it seems like, (laughs) it really seems like there's been, it's been very quiet on the hall front. So credit to him and his team for keeping things under wraps for the most part, because no one really knows what he wants to do.
1: Well, he probably wants to be on a team that can make the playoffs next season.
0: Yeah, that'd like, be good.
1: Legitimately, you know, yeah. not, not in a 24 team playoff bubble or anything like that. So, um, yeah, <laughs> it's going to, October 9th is going to be a day. It's going to be a day, Dan. Mm-hmm.
0: Exactly. All right. So, uh, what else do we have on the hockey slash devils front today? Is there anything?
1: Uh, one, my, mi- uh, couple minor notes. Uh, we've got some more loans, mm-hmm. uh, like the like a lot of teams, what they're doing is they're sending a lot of their AHL players out to Europe since European teams are playing right now, and we don't know if the AHL is going to play like at all. Mm-hmm. Like, forget about a bubble. Um, if you thought the NHL was a gate-driven league, the AHL is like definitely requiring the fans to be in the stands to make money. Um, so we have some players that are loaned out. A couple players that have already been loaned out, like. Uh, Yegor Sharangovich, uh, who's doing pretty well right now in the KHL. He's got four points in his first five KHL games. Uh, this week, uh, Fabian Zetterlund was loaned to HC Vita Hastin And, um, Yannick Koukkanen has been loaned to Olun in Liga. So the players are being moved around and all these loan deals have uh, clauses saying that once the AHL or the NHL restarts, if training camp begins, they will be released from these contracts. So there are loans in the traditional sense. Mm -hmm. Like these these players are not going to play there the entire season unless we get some big news about no NHL season, which I don't don't think is going to happen. I think there's going to be some type of NHL season for 2020-2021. Um, But it's a good thing to see because you want these younger players, especially the players like uh, Sharon Govich or Zetterlund, where there may not be the top prospects at their position. They need to be playing somewhere, Yeah. like not just working out. They need to be playing, work on their game, get some confidence hone their skills in competitive games and do so in an area that, you know, the lack of familiarity to them may actually be a bonus. It could show how adaptable they are to different situations. And then this way, when they do come back to training camp or if there is an AHL season, like they can demonstrate, you know, that they have picked up some things and, you know, that can only help their future NHL careers.
0: And these are players that, you know, if they don't really have a shot at the NHL roster as the team sees it, Given the uncertainty with the AHL this year, I can see a scenario where those loans end up lasting the whole season. It just depends on yeah. the player and depends on what the AHL will be doing. Because there's some players that. You know they can't really go to a juniors team and they can't, they won't make the NHL roster, uh, any way you slice it. Like, no matter how impressive their camp is, it just wouldn't make sense for them to be on the roster for financial reasons or anything like that. So, I can definitely see a scenario where a few of these players end up staying in Europe to uh, play out the season and get more experience. But the important thing is, as you said, they need to keep playing.
1: Yep, they need to keep playing, and as we Wait for further details. Don't be surprised if you see a couple more loans go out. Um but as we get closer and closer to whenever we think the NHL season might start, that may be where training camp may start. So who knows? You know, I don't know how much value there may be in loaning a guy out for a month or so, but you know, again for the Zetterloons and the Kwakanins and the Sharon goviches and the Studeniches of the organization,
0: mm-hmm.
1: even a month of games is worth is better than no games at all.
0: Yeah, exactly. All right, so as we resolve those and wait for more Devil's News, we'll bring that to the end of this episode. And uh, we'll have more for you after the Stanley Cup Final, and more as rumors keep coming out, and there's more Devil's News and just hockey news in general. Keep watching. Things are getting very exciting. This should be a very fun series. It, you know, Hopefully it lasts the distance, because as objective observers, we don't really care if either team ends up too tired at the end of this. Um, and yeah it's been a fun playoff season so far there's some rumors starting to amass but we should see more of them uh really cascade once things end up end for the 2020 season and we start thinking about the next one so as always thanks again for joining us whenever you are listening to this i hope you enjoy your day or night and as always again let's go devils go devils